Hello, creepies and crawlies out there. Welcome to Fear and Trembling with Horror, the podcast that brings you all things horror into conversation with philosophy, theology, religion, literature, everything, through the lens of everything, because we're talking about horror and life. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Jared, and I'm proud to be joined with my good buddy, Ryan. Our basis for friendship started off with the horror film. And today's episode is another film in our Exorcism Trilogy. Uh, We started with The Exorcist. We went to The Exorcism of Emily Rose, and now we're entering our other favorite, The Last Exorcism. And it was one that we watched together several times because it was just it's it's good it's yes. good fun and it's good terror i think it's a it's sermon. good fun i think it's a sermon in fact i think i tell people this movie's a great sermon perhaps better than most things you hear in a pulpit let's uh let's <laughs> agree an overview to this one so patrick fabian plays cotton marcus who's a louisiana-based preacher pentecostal preacher his dad had him preaching when he was a kid uh, probably unwise to do because he, he got into the performance and the adulation and faith did not have a root hold. And by the time the movie picks him up, he's doing a documentary, which is really kind of a mockumentary. He's, he's wanting to expose exorcisms for what they are because he's read in the paper. Performance. He's yeah. read in a paper about another kid who's gone through one who actually suffered health and, and death because of you know malnutrition, dehydration, and, and being tied to the bed. And, it, and it's just something that boggles his mind. So, so he has been doing de- uh, demon exorcisms, but he doesn't believe it. It's all just to make – it's a side hustle. It's something that's made to make money. And now he's ready to kind of come clean. Um, So he's talking to this documentary crew. They go to his church, and he goes, I can get these people saying hallelujah and praise the Lord with my grandma's banana nut muffin recipe. And and he gets going on a tear like a very very tent revival Southern Pentecostal. And he goes, it's just like if you take two eggs and some flour and some sugar. And he's doing this whole, all the recipe. And And he gets winking to the camera. Yeah, Hallelujah. And he's winking at the camera. He also uses (laughs) tricks up there when he's talking because he's a real showman. And this time he gets, he gets a call to go to some backwater haunt in Louisiana because there's this little sweet girl who is Nell's name played by Ashley Bell. She is, she is possessed. And, her dad is uh, alone without the wife, and there is this really creepy brother, Caleb Landry Jones, uh, plays him. His name is Caleb, uh, and the, and he's the one, by the way, who plays in Get Out, we talked about earlier, who drove the car with Run Rabbit Run playing, and, and he would kidnap mm-hmm. the black people to so that they could use black bodies for their research and, uh, their, well, their... their, their <laughs> Well, use go see go hear our get out episode for more. Um, but as they show up, he he settles the the money. He goes into the room. He puts props up. He makes it so that it looks like a demon is captured and caught and expelled through smoke. I mean, he does the whole thing. Takes his money and he's happy to leave. He pronounces that this girl is healed, and he thinks <laughs> he thinks this is basically it's like it's like a, a placebo. She's going to start acting right now because she had this intervention on her. Um, and, and he's driving away. They call him back and say, "No, she's not. She's not good yet." So he goes back, right? And he doesn't know yeah. what he's going to do. Um, he's angsting about. But when he gets back, here's the trick. He walks in on his first ever real life demonic possession mm. and then it becomes the que- then the question becomes what will you do with that it's it's real now <laughs> yes it's, li- it's a very it's little it's a very real moment little girl nell uh does creepy body stuff like all the <laughs> possession movies do she bends in a way she shouldn't uh she's so sweet but then she screams like like a like a pcp laden giant bodybuilder crazy <laughs> man um, yeah. and, and the dad wants to help her. And, uh, at some point he thinks the dad and them have been abusing her sexually. Um, mm-hmm. he knows something's gone on wrong there. And along the way, she starts drawing pictures and he finds these pictures. There's a picture of a big ball of fire. And him holding up a cross mm. to it, like the back silhouette of a man. Now, this will have spoilers in it, no doubt. 
So he commences to do battle with the devil. And I think there's a lot of journey here of, of going from disbelief and skepticism right down into uh, belief in something's going on. Uh, so much that he's yeah. got to do more and do some investigating and provide support for the family. So at some point he goes into town to the local church that has a, a local church youth group that Nell and them like to go to. Mm-hmm. The people there, they know the family, they're supportive, but they don't they don't give much information. It's kind of a creepy man and a creepy wife who kind of run this little <laughs> this like a little Southern Baptist or Methodist church in the countryside. And uh, he goes back. Not that those Baptists and Methodists are bad, we love you. No, I'm just saying what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he goes back and Or creepy, I meant. And he goes back and, and there's a point along the way where the mockumentary ends because it's getting so uh, real. The silliness and the mocking stops. What continues now is just a documentary of him trying to figure out what to do and watching this girl become something that he's never seen before. She is not simply epileptic. She's not psychotic. She doesn't have psychosis. Yeah, she's not acting. She's not acting. um, And she's doing things that are not natural for the human body. Um, any more on the overview that you want to pick up on? No, I mean, I think that's, it, it, (laughs) it's interesting that it was where they lived was thought to be like a place for like voodoo and stuff like that. Like, were they not warned in the very beginning about going about being careful in that area yeah i mean the brother doesn't want him around at all mm-hmm. at all yeah. the brother actually you know throws crap at his car and he's scary he's an eerie looking weird guy <laughs> yeah, which yeah. he is and get out as well yes uh, you know not to be a third grader or not but uh, nell asks marcus um She's she's manifesting uh, manifesting abalum. She asks him if he wants to if he wants a blowing job from her, uh, <laughs> and uh, no, I don't want one. At that you. point, he doesn't think she's possessed. He thinks she's 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 just messed up, right? And yeah. um, along the way, you find there's even more drawings, and there's a drawing that's they're gruesome. There's one where uh, a person. Uh, is is be, being beheaded with a uh, with a gar- with a grass scythe, right? Um, mm. And so all along the way, he's deepening in his work, and uh, as he comes back because he thinks this girl's got you know has been treated in certain ways, uh, yes. he goes back trying to help save the day, and no one's no one's in the house. Um, it's very, very eerie. Very eerie, and there's terrifying there's noises in the woods. And he goes out there, and there's a huge fire, and it's ritualistic in nature. There, you immediately sense the the danger yes. uh, and the evilness that, that's taking place. There's a cultic celebration going on. People in 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 in, uh, in hoods and cloaks, and it is the pastor of that little church who is leading the affair. Um, mm-hmm. The dad, Lewis is his name, is, is bound and gagged, blith, blind, blindfolded <laughs> as he's out in the woods. Um, and, and what you find out is that, that, that this little girl is giving birth to a baby. And this isn't a n- normal mid mid or Southern Methodist Southern Baptist bonfire <laughs> at a farm. This is a cultic ritual act of birthing the spawn of like Satan. And yeah. the, the thing that comes out of her womb is it's undiscernible. It's strange. It's weird. It's mon. It's it's mon- monsterific, really. Right? It's monstrous. And at that very real moment. He has his faith restored. He stands up with the cross and he walks towards it. And it is the same pic- the picture that she drew earlier of, of a man with a cross going to a fire. Yeah. The person with the camera takes off running <laughs> and he gets his head cut off by one of these sides by the creepy older brother. Right. Yeah, the so these brother. drawings were in again. some sense predictive, prophetic of what would happen. 
And I call yeah. this a great, a great sermon to people because really it's a sermon about faith. So if you're trying to yeah. convince people to have faith, uh, th- th- this might do it, um, seeing the absence of faith. So when people say um, there are some, for some people, uh, a, def- uh, a belief or a faith in God is proven by the fact that there's belief in the other, the devil or evil. Mm. As if you're going to imply that there is evil and evil is real of some type, then you have to imply some ultimate good, which takes the name but of God. Um, yeah. You know, that, that sort of logic may or may not work for you, but that's kind of what's happening here. Uh, he hasn't been believing for some time, but it is confronting him now. It's real. And that realness restores his faith, and he's there for more than just himself. He's He, yeah. he, he always had the heart of a self-giver of love, although he was a... a <laughs> A con artist, he didn't really want to be. <laughs> yeah. He just didn't have a, didn't have very many yeah. options, right? That's the thing. Yeah. He, was, he, he was chosen far too young and only focused on the ministry. But now he's got the faith back. It's restored. And he mm-hmm. goes and he gives himself over, uh, just like he was, in a way, giving himself over just to help a girl he thought was troubled. Um, yeah. So it, it's a very startling end. And we say it has to be found footage film because uh, the cameraman's dead. Yeah. yeah. And he falls to the ground. So someone had the camera and the video or whatever. Yeah, someone had it. Someone someone had to... Well, now, now the, the found footage part, he watches. That's how it ends, correct? It ends with the camera there on the ground. Because... Yeah. He showed him walking out with the cross. Yeah. So it, 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 yeah, that's that's a that's a tough ending. It, it, the brother, like, wow. the brother is the one who cut the guy's head off. He's there because yeah. the brother was a part of this creepy youth group. The point is, the creepy church, the creepy youth group were cultic, and were cultic. They were one way on the outside and a completely different way on the yeah, inside. Yeah, so they weren't they weren't truly practicing any Methodist, Southern Baptist, Pentecostal faith, Christian right. faith. They were practicing. Uh, this kind of satanic-ish cult thing, yeah. and everybody was sucked into it through the youth group, mm. right? As a as a gateway yeah. into uh, this cult practice, and yeah. uh, so so anyway, that that is the overview. Um, I, again, I think when we're talking about these exorcism movies, you have the the theme of faith. Um, Cotton here uh, is a man who's lost his faith, but it is restored, and perhaps. One wonders if his faith wasn't fully intact before, could he have done something differently? Could he mm. have survived? Could he have done what he needed to do before it was too late? And they were basically right. birthing the spawn of Satan. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that? No, I think I think that's a that's a really good question to ask. Like, could he have saved her from having to be the vessel that births that evil into the world if he would have only taken it serious seriously <laughs> because he he went there to to debunk the whole possession thing in the first place right 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 so yeah, yeah that's that's the whole point of the documentary so yeah so there's it's um, it's the argument and the battle between uh you know good and evil um Except for well, this is he. He was retiring. Like he, yeah. this, he wasn't going to do any more exercise. This, this was his final. This is his final. Yeah, his final blood. Let me show you this. I'm doing this yes. to expose it. But to expose the, the the battle between good and evil is present here. Except for it's weighted on the side of evil because these people are all believers in this evil cult, godlike demon yeah. thing. Whereas he doesn't even believe, and so the, the scales don't even balance out. Uh, but right up until the end, when you could say he sacrificial right. ga- sacrificially gave himself, which is perhaps the only salvation for anyone else, is when you self-give in love. That you can you can buy back so much of what has been stolen by giving in, in love. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So that that becomes a, a really interesting battle through this whole thing. Uh, yeah. It's just done again differently than in the exorcism of Emily Rose, where it's interrogated by court. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's a delightful trick of the of the film's storytelling, because uh, these are, these little Christian people, you think are going to be fundamentalists, they aren't going to have anything to do with something like that. They're the ones who think that <laughs> in the Exorcist, 
Uh, the celluloid is possessed, but is the is possessed. The, the actual celluloid is possessed. Yeah, they're they're not watching films. You know, they're they're probably not playing cards or anything like that. Uh, there's there's interesting there's interesting depictions of people of faith in this movie. Go on. Like you've you've got his flock in the opening church scene that he can sneak stuff by. And they'll just say, you know, they're caught up in the in the moment of being a part of a crowd. They'll say hallelujah with anything, and you know, they, you get the wink with his grandmother's bread recipe. And then you've got the the people of faith there at the the Baptist or Methodist church. You know, the minister and his his creepy wife. Uh, and then you have a, a, another yet another depiction of people of faith in the father, who I think is trying to. He's a good faith actor in this movie. There's always questions about the brother. You know, he was throwing the stuff at the car as he's showing up, and is is very antagonistic towards him being there from from the word go. So, we'll put the brother not as in a depiction of faith, but you know, you got those three, four pictures really, because then you have his perspective where he's like, he doesn't necessarily take a pessimistic view of faith in general. But certainly, he he has something to say about the way he can manipulate. Well, he see, but he's humbled because he, he thinks he's above yeah. it. He acts as though he's above it, and that brings him the humility. What well, I'm saying that's his depiction, at least up until it becomes real for him. Right, right. You know, and so all these all these pictures, you know, we don't ever get to see his congregation after they they leave the very beginning. You know, because they leave and go to Louisiana. Um, and we don't ever get to see the, the the Baptist or Methodist minister and his wife in their church, but we know that they have a youth group, and you know it's at least on the outside to outsiders functioning like a like like a a, a Christian church. And so you have that example of of faith. That's not faith. Just ha- that, that's they don't you don't. It's an inversion. Well, I, I'm, I'm example of example of institutional people that you would see, right? Right, uh, and then you have the, and then you have the, the, the father. Um, so there's like four different floating, and not all pictures of of, of that I think are good. Um, yeah, I think this elicits the fear of paranoia. Um, mm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> the fact that you could live in this tiny little town and not be aware of this secret cult group um, is terrifying. (laughs) And one that has infiltrated your house, not just by her being pregnant and however that happened, but the older brother is like the the caretaker, the keeper. And dad is none the wiser on any of it. So frankly, uh, he's working against his father, right? Complete and utterly against him. And then you, you have appealed to these religious authorities in the community who happen to be the ringleaders. Right. So, so the the film's angstiness is surrounded by the paranoia that everyone is out to get you, or everyone is out um, uh, to, uh, you know, working somehow clandestinely against you. And it's interesting because mm-hmm. as human beings, um, we we're meant to be prejudiced. Uh, mm. the, bo- the bottom line is we've evolved. It's a part of our evolutionary trait to notice outsiders, no matter how similar they look. Um, we will find ways of distinction so that we can yeah. know who's in the in crowd and who's in the out crowd. And the out crowd <laughs> is the dangerous crowd. They may be competing for the yeah. same food that we're competing for. Now we're talking about, of course, in the days of, days of early Homo sapiens or Neanderthals uh, out on Savannah Plain. Uh, this is very tribalistic. Well, this yeah. town is not much larger than a tribe. And the the dad thinks that he knows it well, but all along... Uh, there are people in there who are working against him. And so yeah. it, 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 it makes you question the safety of institutions and people that you think you know. The people that and, you and yeah, the people you think you know and the, the, um, the effects of, of, also, of guilt in the end. Like if, if, you know, if he didn't know what was going on and this paranoia is there, you know, he was still. I think he was still struggling with the loss of his wife, and holding on to he is who? Know, try to trying the father, right? Uh, Nell's father, who who's I think he's wrestling with the guilt of the loss of his wife, and those effects have been felt by him trying to raise a teenage girl 
and keep. Well, I think I think that's really so dead on because he's still feeling he's still in grief over his past wife, and the kids need help. The kids yeah. need the love of a father, yet he's not a strong foundation for them, and they look for the support elsewhere in the community, and where they find it from is bad news bears. You know, we, yeah. we talked. I mentioned satanic panic a few times just in passing in the eighties, <laughs> and that was always said that it started in in a in a uh, in daycares and little school ki- places for kids, and maybe even some of the the quote unquote bad churches or something. But there was no there was no uh, <laughs> epidemic of Satanism in the eighties. This was all based on kind of a hoax and poor poor assumptions. Uh, yeah. But but some of the fears that it elicits is the same fear that's that's here. Um, the people who are vulnerable need to be watched over by good faith actors, and the father in his grief is not being not able to truly care and give the care he needs uh, to his and children. Gi- yeah, and, well, and give the care that that they need that she. And so needs, they become right? a, they become an easy target. Yeah, and and that's easy targets. Yeah, the the the. the the vulnerable need to be taken care of by good faith people, which ironically is what the, the minister is setting out to do. And I watch all these, I watch all these documentaries on real cults. Um, just, I mean, they could even have Christian basics, bases or yoga bases. They're not demonic or anything like that. But so many of these cults, the leaders are, they're megalomaniacs. They're very charismatic and they they find people who have who are broken enough that they mm-hmm. can get involved into their system that will promise certain things, certain healing, certain yeah. help, and and it's it, it, but they go after those who are weaker. Yeah. And in this movie, they go after they've gone after the weaker, they possessed the weaker, and um, you know I guess when the the pastor shows up, he is also of the weaker. In terms of faith, in terms of his, yeah. in terms of his process of caring for kids and stuff, it's not. But but in faith, it's weakness that only grows into strength. Um, but right when confronted with the realness of of the events that are taking place, yeah, there are some things that are so gruesome that that it's it's hard to walk away with faith. Uh, there are stories written by so many people in who suffered in a prison camp in, in the, during the Holocaust. Who, who walked away from their theistic beliefs because a God, how could a God allow that? Then there's another right. response. People who've come out saying, look at that cross there. That is Christ, and Christ was with the people in Auschwitz, for instance. And you right. have like Moltmann and Pannenberg have this theology yeah. of hope that comes from that. Like the, the, the radical identification of, of a God with the down and outs to the point of even the down and outs who are being treated as a cattle. To those who've been forsaken, right. yeah. Sorry. And, and, uh, and just then, the, and, the forsakenness and then you have of, of Jewish, those places. Some Jewish belief, it's, it's, it's really been made into a, a thicker commitment of faith after the suffering. Um, so it's done, it does several different mm. things. When you look into the face of evil, you, it, it, you know, Kierkegaard's got this paradox. You know, when, when you look at the cross and you see Jesus who is uh, bloodied and wounded and dead, and you say, there's God, <laughs> the two, you walk away. And by the way, that's horrific. It's horror. <laughs> yes. Calvary yeah. was horror, okay? And yeah. you say, well, that's God. And the two responses are, one is to accept in faith, or the two is to walk away offended. And, mm. um, and, and so we can, we can look at things that are horrific and walk away offended um, and maybe reorganizing our priorities, or we can walk away yeah. with a greater faith, more emboldened with courage and hope. Um, I imagine that's how people have encountered the bombing of the World Trade Center, Some pe- or the, the, the plane crashes at 9-11. Some people look at that and say, there is no purpose to life, right? It's all right. meaningless, or a lot of the, uh, the a lot yeah. of the new atheists say that all organized religion leads to violence, and, and it's a very uh, black or white kind of response. And then at the other time, there's people who look in the face of that rubble, and they see oddly hope mm. and a reason for courage and a reason for boldness. Now the pastor, pastor, uh, what's his name? Oh, Cotton, 
which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Famous pastor named Cotton Mather was a Puritan pastor in uh, Massachusetts who was part of the Salem witch trial stuff. Um, mm. He he looks at the face of this ugliness, and he has belief. Yeah. And that belief does not end in moral action only. It ends in true transcendent action of self-giving, self-giving love, yeah. self-sacrificing love. Holding the cross. <laughs> Which is the ultimate symbol yeah. of self-sacrificial love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he gives his life for, for goodness. He gives his life for the girl. Um, he certainly knows as he's going to confront that, that he can't do anything, because it's clear that this is some sort of demonic baby. Um, yeah. And he's out of his depth. Yeah. So what's it and he, he he walks he yeah he walks there uh, into that situation holding the cross the symbol of God's reconciliation and God's response to to all all things uh, evil or God's response to all things that that separate one's self or creation's self from. From God's self, there it's a lot of self. There's this ancient church father. I can't remember his, the name. I'll, I'll look it up because I should know it off the top of my head. But um, who is arrested for his faith? He's going to be put to put put to death. And he writes his friends, his followers, or his, his his compatriots, and he says, "Don't try to stop them. Don't try to save me, for I have yet to become a human. Mm. And for him, he won't be a fully a human until he until he dies for something." until he dies for his belief, until he desi- dies for something, dies for the others. Then he's fully yeah. human. And, um, and, and John Baer, the philosopher, theologian out of, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's English, and right now he's at the university. He writes about that story in his book. Yes, but he's in the University of Aberdeen uh, in Scotland, and he talks about uh, reading through Irenaeus and, and others that when Jesus, when it says in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, let us make mankind in our image, we tend to think humanity's done being made <laughs> in that, in that, in that, in that creation myth that's done. The very first yeah. humans are done. Well, he then reads them to say, some of these church fathers to say that it's, it's on this uh, day in front of the the Jewish people of Jerusalem and the Romans, that Pontius Pilate, the, the Roman governor, uh, says in Latin, H.A. Omo, behold the man, or behold the person. Behold the person, the people, the human being. Mm. Behold the human being. And when Jesus is then, after that, on the cross, he says, it is finished, and, peop- and, and, and they, they assume that it doesn't just mean his life, like... It's kind of a no-duh comment. Yeah, I mean, when he, he's dying. Um, but what does he mean by it is finished? Well, according to yeah. Bear through Irenaeus and other church fathers, uh, Jesus has finished the work of humanity. That the highest mm. expression of life that gives humanity meaning is self-sacrificial love. Handing one's life over for the good of someone else. It is to give others flourishing life. And that is what it means to be a human being. Yeah. That's it. I haven't thought of it that way. Well, I don't think that the movie makers know anything about this except for that. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, intuitively yeah. know that one of the most profound things you can do is hand yourself over for someone. And in right. the face of all this, he ends up turning as one who has belief. So it is a profound sermon. Uh, yeah. It's an evocative movie. Uh, it, it really, it, it's, 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 creepy it's scary it it has days on end that the pastor's there not just this one night of bad exorcism stuff yeah, it's like yeah. he's there in the days and there's day there's breaks to go searching out answers and things yeah it gives you enough re- respite and reprieve from from the from the horror uh only to <laughs> lead you right to the place where apparently the demon already knew it was going to the death right. of the people who came along and the death of the father too the dad does yeah. as well. Yeah, it well, and then for that, yeah, for that to be, it's that moment when he grasps that cross and steps out of the darkness into the light of that, you know, of the of the flames. Uh, it's a very powerful moment where you know all that all that struggle that you felt to that point until it got real for him, you. I think you feel that as the viewer that you see his sacrifice for what it is. 
Like he's 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 made that that determination to to go help her. So here's a question. Does this movie present in its narrative does this movie assume or suggest that good wins? No. no I, well, no because uh, the because of how the the final frame final frame ends up <laughs> the final frame is with a camera tilted over after some dude got his head chopped off with a scythe. Sith. Scythe. Eh. You know, so so we don't know what happens. We assume what happens to, you know, to the to the minister. We assume that he doesn't make it. <laughs> um, but does, it, because, does that loss imply a total loss? His soul is, is redeemed. It's it's saved, if you will. It's a, Well, I'm certainly thinking that he lost his life. I mean, I, I think his, you know, I think he, he at least is came to that 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 faith so whatever happens to him after he dies so, so you know, evil I, wins it certainly seems that way i think from a from a cinematography film standpoint narrative standpoint the way that the way that it ends she is birthed you know the demon and the baptist or methodist minister and his wife get to continue their cult because the dad is dead and the brother was in the cult. So the town, you know, the evil lives on to to ensnare other to ensnare other outsiders. But there's found footage and it's supposed to show the audience what really happened. The irony there is that uh, the pastor is showing the uh, the world what how how much of a fraud exorcisms are and what's going to be seen is that there are the geese, beasties and ghoulies and that which go bump in the night. There are. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think if it went any further, the movie would totally fail because it, you have to leave it unresolved. Because um, yeah. I think I think an answer to this is to say, what would you do when you're faced with evil? And and, I, and therein, I think, is your sermon. You know, and there's why it's ser- sermonic <laughs> is because it asks it, it it forces you as the viewer to ask the questions that the characters have to deal with in the story. What would you do with her? What would you do when confronted by something demonic? Would you respond the way that the minister did? How would you respond? Would you, would you take a faithful response? Whatever that might, whatever that might look like. Um, but I think this one, this one, this one forces it, that that response because you are watching a documentary of it, it's such an intimate portrayal, real time of the minister's response to everything that he encounters in a way that the exorcism of Emily Rose and the Exorcist don't force the viewer to watch. They, it's a different. It's a different. Uh, viewing experience this one because it's a documentary or a mockumentary because the camera is just following along it, it it forces you to ask those questions it's called the last exorcism so one begs the quest or not begs the question uh, by the way friends public service announcement begging the question does not mean it forces a question it means that you imply the answer to your question within a question most people don't use it correctly <laughs> including myself so it makes me have the ask the question: Is it the last exorcism for the pastor in the story who obviously dies, or is it the last exorcism that happens? Period. Because you know this could be the spawn of Satan coming to actually obliterate the world, bring chaos to reign over everything. I think it's the first one. I think it's the first one because while. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the first one, but darkness while darkness has come to this little corner of the world. Uh the cross is is not just a localized symbol, right? So I I don't know if it's the last exorcism period. I don't think it is. I was just I although I guess if the devil was trying to be incarnate, he would pick a place in Louisiana out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> well, 
Because <laughs> I've been there in August and it's hot. Yeah, I've been there too with you. If and, hell is a place of flames, and, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Don't pick <laughs> on the people from Louisiana. Uh, no, no, I love them. It, it is. It is. Um, it is interesting that they use the mockumentary style because you're, it's almost like you're taking the point of view of the camera, so you get to be in the action with, and that lets you uh, hang on to your incredulity, and then mm. uh, and then it, as best as it can forces you to ask, what would you do if you see the same thing? So it does try yeah. to again with the sermonic bit put yourself inside of the story. Uh, there, yeah. Are you bailing like the cameraman did? Or are you going to go after him? Are you going to go out? Are you going to make the minister not be alone? Cause he wasn't alone while he was watching all that. Right. He got up to walk, you know, to walk and to stop and to fight. And <laughs> the dudes that he that were with him were like, I'm out. <laughs> well, we so, create- you don't have a choice. You have to go with the camera. As, as, as right? we say, you, you create the, each generation each creates the horror it needs. We make the monsters up that we need and, and all that. That's been said by different people in various ways. Uh, what is needed here? You know, I, I think what is needed is to uh, confront viewers with a choice. What will you do when faced mm-hmm. with disorder, chaos, with evil? Will you Evil. will you run away? Will you look away? Will you explode? because it's not a matter of if, but when. Whether it's institutional evil, right, encountered by those masquerading as Baptists or Methodists, <laughs> right, or <laughs> or or Charlotte or charlatan or charlatan TV evangelist preachers. You know what do you do? How how are you a What's the word? A force for good in the world, or how do you how do you respond to the evil or hurting or hurt people that you encounter in the world? Yeah. Because you remember he went there to help. A Facing girl. evil that way is interesting. It's an interesting question. Bonhoeffer, who is a famous pacifist, entered into the Valkyrie plot to help assassinate Hitler. Um, he just could not. He he drew a line and. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, he was found out. He got put into a concentration camp, and it was one of the last orders Hitler made was for him and other traitors to kill, be killed, even as he was about to commit suicide in a bunker with Eva Braun. Um, you know, Bonhoeffer was a wildly pacifist until that moment. That That's how he decided to act. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Twin Towers get bombed, and we have a culture that says, in the Western world, it says we're going to fight. Uh, we're going to be evil, and I've talked about this before. I, well, then you have to start with yourself because uh, <laughs> what, what, what is what is evil? What's defined inside and out? Uh, Thomas mm-hmm. Halik, a philosopher, a psychoanalyst, says you know the the only way to reason with terrorists because <laughs> there is no way the fear the fear that they they <laughs> they instill in us is is I mean that's that's where they win right. So the yeah. only way you prove their point, right? The only way he says, perhaps we should never let the victims die, and it's not just by reading names; it's by showing their faces and telling their stories. And when you let someone hear the story of a person's life and experience it in its full and richness, fullness and richness as much as you can, uh, you you give that 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 abstract name or person a story, a life a story. that is supposed to be dignified and led to flourishing like your own. Uh, that that's mm. that's another response to looking at, at, at like a like a significantly gross evil. I, I find it incredibly insulting that we see video footage of Ahmad Arbery and and uh, uh, George Floyd and others, and because ideologically we we are fans of police and law and order. We have to find our way of staring and looking at that is to to make ex- excuse and justification. Excuses, um, excuses and justification. Can yeah. you can you support the police and also uh, be critical that the methods that we uh, do policing might not work? I mean, it's like not in our world. It doesn't allow us to think that way. Or, but but no. but we have. But that's an evil too. Being forced to look at things in terms of untenable. 
uh, options. That's an evil. That's an evil use of logic. And so will we, will we look into the face of it and dare boldly to be courageous and go forth into that long night, go forth towards the mm. fire, right? Not the fire yeah. of purification either. Go into right. it carrying the love that represents is represented by the cross. Yeah. So again, this is the third one in a row. Yeah. I feel like so much of it is wrapped up in Christian theology. And for our listeners yeah. who don't like that may not um, dig that aspect, but I think when I feel like it, it because yeah, no, because it, they use Christian, Christian language, Christian symbols. Exactly. Exactly. And again, we can go back to Jung and Campbell on the hero's journey he is uh, what what has called him to adventure. The pre pastor is mm. another exorcism gone wrong. And I would in it. I would uh, an interesting question. You know, this came out in two thousand and ten. So, at, from our cultural perspective, where we were at in two thousand ten, I think there's amongst the larger population in the United States. A growing suspicion of of not just religion but institutional churches. Yeah, no, no, no. The, yeah, really, I, I disagree with the, the idea that we're on religion or religious thinking is on the wane. It's just uh, institutional. Um, yeah, it's the people are finding their own ways to express meaning to express it. Or you know, well, and, and I bring that up because you know you have you have in the news not just the catholic scandal with molestation but just s scandals throughout traditions of christianity in 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 america and in, in in the west and so i think you you brought up paranoia in 2010 i, I think even if you're i i guess i brought all this up to say even if you're not down, down with. No, I don't. If you're not a Christian, even if it, yeah, if you're not if you a Christian, like even if you don't Christian like these symbols or like this language, uh, I think this movie is kind of harnessing some of those things the, culturally. They all, all these exorcism movies are. That's that's why we have to pull on those themes. But uh, before before just a moment ago, before you said what you said, I was saying that in Jungian Campbell Joseph Campbell's terms. So here's mythology. He's he's the hero called to action, called to adventure, and that is another. Uh, another uh, possession gone awry, and he's going to expose <laughs> the charlatanism that exists out there by being one. And uh, he enters from this place of orientation to very, very disoriented space. Um, yeah. And I even think about just like how that body represents disorientation. She bends over backwards and crawls and so all this stuff that doesn't make sense for a body it's disordered right. right only to have a proper orientation against a resolution in his spirit which is i believe now i'm going to go stand right. up to it now i'm going to go act on that yeah, belief. yeah. and i think yeah. you know we, since we're kind of concluding three uh movies on exorcism in a row another fear that is present in in exorcism stories is the idea that something could possess your will take you over and treat you uh, with such authority that you could be then led to act in ways that you do not wish to act. I right. think that is scary. I think it's terrifying. I just don't think it's the scariest device, though, because I think when we watch this movie, these movies, we're not, at least I'm not identifying with the possessed. I'm identifying right. more with the people who are afraid of their loved one being possessed. Um, yes. Uh, afraid of the the uh, the boundaries of the unknown breaking into my nice neat ordered life. Yeah. So you know whether yeah. Let's uh, make some criticisms if we can. Hannibal's bites. Hello. Is this Clarice? Ah, uh, hello, Clarice. What did you criticisms? Yeah. Hmm. I, I guess that the I would have liked instead of the one-sided picture of uh, Christianity throughout. I think I would have liked uh, at least another good faith actor <laughs> uh, that that could have come along inside him at, at the last minute. Um, as we've as we've said, the Baptist slash Methodist. Minister and his wife 
had the facade of being on the on the side of good, or at least a a uh, a faithful practitioner of of Christianity. Uh, they they in the end were not so. Uh, you know, back to those four four pictures of of what faith looks like. You know, that I talked about earlier. You know, the people in his congregation, not the sharpest tools in the shed. Huh. Since he got in the whole recipe for his uh, grandmother's banana bread. <laughs> I I I think my one criticism. Uh, anything else I wanted to get from the movie, I want to know is more information that would make the narrative weaker. So you'd yeah. have to answer other questions. Uh, right. but, I think there is a sequel. But, but well, I'm not... 2013? It makes sense if this is the last exorcism, but, but forget that for a second. <laughs> yeah. Grab bags for cash, you know, um, cash grabs. So, it it but, follows no. But the thing I would say mm-hmm. is that he's his tradition is a Pentecostal or uh, charismatic tradition in the South. Yet his uh, the way he presents, he presents outwardly with that, and then there's the mixture of symbols. The Walking yeah. Dead would do this too. The Walking Dead, when they were introduced to a church, it was very much a a, a, a low Pentecost or a low Protestant church. So it wasn't ritualistic. It wasn't ornate. It was very uh, lower liturgy. I say further low lower on the candle. Business like, but there was a Catholic church, and women were wearing uh, veils like in pre-Vatican II, and so uh, it's mixing its uh, Christian traditions. Um, mm. I think I think just a little bit more research into into what a P- Pentecostal exorcism would look like would yield it's different than this, very much so yeah. than this. And um, yeah. but anyway, I think otherwise, it's a uh, it's really well done. Uh, it's one of, it's, it mixes the right the right moments of levity. It mixes yeah. the right amount of comedy. You know, it's not like a horror comma or anything. But yeah, I think it's, it's the most overt sermon of these three uh, in terms of an actual like sermon. I think they're all sermons. Yeah. They're all meant to arouse a new a new attitude toward life. Um, yeah, but I think the Exorcist is the is the granddaddy best possession film. <laughs> I like the exorcism of Emily Rose and then this one to follow as unique takes on it. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's quite a treat to watch. If you could say that about a movie about exorcism, (laughs) any final words? Uh, (laughs) You, you, when you say that, it makes me think of, of that time when I, I, I was watching, you know, I said that at the conference that I spoke about last episode, and we had just got the done watching Scott this, Derrickson. The Scott, yeah, it was at um, the Image Journal uh, put put on the Glenn Glenn workshops, and we had just got finished watching I Saw the Devil, which hopefully we'll get to that on this podcast. But it's a very bloody, bloody uh, film, revenge based film, and I I think spaghetti with red meat sauce after that. <laughs> And so when you said that, you know, watching watching movies like this for fun, uh, <laughs> um, Mr. Derrickson had said something to the effect of only a true horror fan could watch that film and then come out here and eat spaghetti, you know, with red meat sauce. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm hungry. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that just made me laugh. Well, only me. Well, as you said before, my friend, that we watch horror, we create horror to contemplate on, uh, on, on dying and dying badly. Like... Like mm. it's it's to account for the truth that not all deaths are good. Uh, we yeah. will all die, and some of it is worse than others. And so it is a way that grounds us to our our human finitude, our yeah. human contingency upon others and other ones, and the earth itself for our survival. And yeah. I think it, what it does is it exposes fears that we have, uh, human fears. And maybe how we reach for what we consider divine or transcendent or meaning making, and uh, even how we yearn for something mysterious uh, and not total knowledge of all things. Um, I, I think yeah. that's what they do. I think these last three do a great job in terms of exorcism. So let's ask the question now, like they do, and once more with feeling from Buffy the Vampire Slayer where do we go from here? Where do we go? From 
could be bunnies. <laughs> could be bunnies. <laughs> so my friend, I, you know, we did this this trilogy here. We're coming up on Halloween season. Uh, I don't yes. know that we have any pick. Do you have any that you? Want to- I don't think we have any pick, but you know, we, you know, we've got uh, in the theaters. We got the Exorcism Believer coming out. It's a new uh, David Gordon Green's trilogy. Uh, what will be a trilogy? Like a direct sequel to The Exorcist. Okay. Should be intriguing. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have any any films off the top of my head. I was thinking about reflecting on Netflix's uh, miniseries uh, Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. I can tell you what we're not watching this Halloween season. I can bet. But tell everyone what it is. Halloween three season of the witch. That's right. No thanks. No more. No more of that. And if you happen across, if you happen across articles on the interwebs that say it would be a good horror film were it not for the name, because it doesn't have Michael Myers. Um, just no. Just no. Stop. Stop. Just stop the insanity. So we've talked about because that's the pretext that we watched that film under. Oh yeah, we talked about doing a we couple both, vampire flicks in a row. Uh, we might might yeah. be doing Fright Night and the horror. There's some horror coms, Army of Darkness. If you have Dale one, Tucker versus listener. If you have one, Cabin in the Woods. Well, I want to do Cabin in the Woods when we also do um, Burning Man. But friends, if you if you have uh, a recommendation for what you want to hear next, let us know. We might also have a few uh, in between episodes where we uh, get some friends on here and talk about why they like horror films or what movies they like and why or what their favorite Halloween candy is, and just we we prepare ourselves for all the merriment of the season. Candy corn. For now, candy corn. It's me. It's Ryan, signing out. Sweet dreams. Don't wake up at (laughs) 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, you will. (laughs) 